The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I work as a CPA. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance coach and athlete in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
I'm the father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. And an alumnus of the 2021 Blue Ridge Relay. As are you. As am I. And that is going to be the topic we are going to be talking about today. This is our race report for the Blue Ridge Relay. What percentage of our podcast over the course of the past six months do you think included a mention of the Blue Ridge Relay? Way too much percentage. <laughs> <laughs> I said that way too quickly. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was looking for an actual percentage, not a, not a, a qualitative commentary. <laughs> 10 to 15%. So I think it was more than that. I think it was probably probably more than that. But yeah, we'll see. But one way or another, the entire podcast tonight is going to be dedicated to the Blue Ridge Relay because Eric and I and our teammates completed it once again uh, here this past weekend. So we're going to be talking a little bit about it. But before we do that, uh, Michelle, what you been up to? Oh, you know, I'm just over here uh, slaving away at marathon training. Right on. It's not too far away at this point, right? <laughs> no, I think uh, we're a little bit under four weeks. Um and yeah, I uh, am at the point where I don't think I can handle anything else. I had a, re- I mean, I, I'm actually, today's Thursday night. So yeah, it took me four days to recover from a pretty long run on Sunday. Um, I did lose a night of sleep Saturday night, which probably doesn't help, but I would say I haven't actually had a vegetable all week. I've been so nauseous. I know. Sorry. I forgot to mention that. I've basically been nauseous and dehydrated. It took me four days. So today is like the first day I feel somewhat recovered from that. Um, so wait, why <laughs> have you not have a vegetable all week though? What does one have to do? Do you with ever the like other? go for a really long run and it's really hot and you're just sick after, like you don't feel like yeah. eating. Yeah. Okay. So I've basically felt like that for four days. Like so, I'm at like racing weight. I'm like ready to go. I can't even, but today I finally like, I don't know. I, but I think I'm again, starting to feel better. Why no vegetables? <laughs> oh, because when I get into that, like nausea type post run, I, I would vomit if I ate a salad or a vegetable. Okay. I've literally like anything I've eaten has been <laughs> like salmon and pasta or actually <laughs> white rice club. I joined the white rice club last week with you guys. So, you um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but we're, we're getting pretty close. So, right. um, so this is good to know since you literally texted me earlier today <laughs> and said, I'm down a lot of mileage this week from where I was last week. Uh, okay. <laughs> are we going to go back up? I'm really freaking out because you reduced my mileage. And I said, well, you were pretty so, tired at the end of last week. So I didn't say I was really freaking out. I, I said that. noticed that the planned time for last week, which was like a 50 mile week that you dropped it this week. And so it's like, well, are you dropping it too soon? Are we going back up? Are you aware that I'm barely surviving from last week? That was the question. I wasn't freaking out. I'm just analyzing. And of course you've been celebrating the high holidays here. Um, uh, happy new year and all that. Um, yeah. uh, your, your, your life's probably going to be lighting up a little bit here in the last couple of weeks before the Boston marathon. So we can do a little bit more work and then come October 11th, it's time to roll Michelle. I'm excited to watch you run. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, I, there's a Allie on the run did a podcast with the Boston marathon race director who, um, Dave McGillivray, which actually my mom did a, one of those Vimeo things for me with him for my Cam- cameo, cameo, <laughs> cameo, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. see, I don't even know this stuff. So, um, I thought I would just throw it out there. It's episode 424 and there is stuff about 30 minutes into that episode that I haven't read or 
um, heard anywhere. And it's really just kind of race day logistics um, and also more specifically expo logistics and what's going to be going on before and after the auxiliary events. Uh, there really aren't any, um, but it's, it's pretty interesting. So I would, you know, encourage anybody who's running, um, who's wants to know uh, what's going to happen when you get off the bus in Hopkinton to listen to it. So pretty excited. Cool. Definitely pretty convinced uh, the show will go on on October 11th. So because <laughs> um, you have been nervous about that as well. Very good. Yeah, I think with other bigger, smaller races canceling and just, um, you know, the unknown with the Delta variant, mm -hmm. is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? But I'm pretty confident that it's going to happen. So awesome. Very good. Very good. Eric, I spent time with you almost nonstop between Thursday afternoon and Sunday morning. So, so I feel like I'm pretty caught up on what's going on with you. But uh, anything but major been happening over the course of the last little while? Didn't you go to an NC State soccer game a day or two ago? Yes, and other than that, I've been doing nothing. <laughs> Except walking my dogs. If you, if, you, if you follow me on Strava, it's recovery, morning dog walk. Recovery. <laughs> Evening dog walk, recovery, morning dog walk, recovery, <laughs> evening dog walk. And uh, my dogs really appreciate it um, because I'm around a lot more. Um, but yeah, I'm just recovering. Uh, the, the NC soccer game was nice. Uh, it was actually a very exciting game. And NC State won over James Madison University. Uh, Vuzi got to start. Uh, Vuzi being my foster South African son. For those of you who do not know, his name is Vizumzi Plamana, and he's from South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. And um, yeah, uh, nothing <laughs> except planning planning for next year. So awesome, <laughs> very good. And writing your reflections, and we'll be talking about those a little bit. Yeah, writing your reflections, and you know, it was funny when we were before this started. I always like to go ahead and name drop, you know, the fact that we're still reading a book for the, mm -hmm. the quarter. Mm -hmm. And so um, the rise of the ultra runner, you know, that's mm -hmm. the book we're reading right now mm -hmm. uh, by Addie Finn. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all enjoyed it based on mm -hmm. some of the messages going back and forth between George, uh, Michelle and I. And, but when I was like, what I wanted to share was I've been bookmarking pages. Uh, I read it on uh, iBooks and I've been bookmarking pages and underlining things that I think are cool or interesting so that when we talk about the book, right. I can reflect back on it. And the other books we've read, I've had four or five like points I want to go back to. And I just scrolled through it and you guys will understand this joke. It looks like my, um, looks like my uh, shoes on Strava. Uh, it just keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> I have over 42 bookmarks All right, and I probably have a good 500 words underlined uh, okay and and i'll say this up front it's not because it's the best book i've ever written it's not because i think addy finn is the greatest writer ever um I, it's 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 simply some of the people he talks to and just how interesting they are and their insights and uh, yeah i i think that's the most the most interesting part of the book is the fact that he interviews some very very interesting characters and what what I what I see when I go to these ultra marathons, it's a it's a reflection of the sport, because there are plenty of um, not well known uh, local runners that just totally epitomize these people he's interviewing in the book, and it it's just a really 
uh, a funny, fun crowd of people that you find at ultra marathons. So, so yeah, I have enjoyed it. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. The, the, we had mentioned, we had talked about it the last time we were together on the podcast, I want to say, and and I had said something to the effect of, yeah, I'm not really read it all that much yet. Um, I since have, have read a lot of it. Um, and so, um, I'm about, I'm more than two thirds of the way through at this point. Um, and both of y'all were, had just read the comrades marathon, um, uh, chapters, which come right around halfway of the book last time. And, and kind of like you, Eric, I would not say this is the best book I've ever read. I would not say that he's, he's the best author I've ever read, but I dare say I haven't enjoyed two chapters of a book as much as I enjoyed the two chapters from the Comrades Marathon or about the Comrades Marathon from this book uh, in a long time. They were fantastic. They were brilliant. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how much I want to do the Comrades Marathon. Um, and him <laughs> talking about some details of it that I wasn't even aware of made me just that much more on fire to do it. Um, and so, so yeah. It, it was George, really- are you listening to the book or are you actually reading it? Both. both. So both. Yeah, I actually think I'm, I've only listened to it. I'm for the most part done. So I've actually, I think I've just enjoyed the storytelling. Like I would agree mm-hmm. that it's not probably the best book or, but I would say two things. One coming off of Bravey, it's sort of just like a, uh, like a welcome relief to just like reading a story and mm-hmm. being able to follow along and engage with the characters. But mm-hmm. Eric, I'm curious if any of the stuff you've underlined is like, cause he has all these little you know, insights about ultra runners and just defines the whole group of people as masochistic and just, you know, all these little things that he says. Do you pick up on that? Well, those things are just obvious. Um, to put yourself through a hundred miles, there's a little bit of masochism in there. But the way he says something, maybe because I'm listening to it, but it's just like, he just says this stuff over and over again. And well, it's I, like, yeah, he, I, I agree with you. He, he has to find different ways of saying I'm completely exhausted. Thing. Right. He, he, he like he like like he says that phrase well, like some he says some variation on the phrase I'm completely exhausted or I was completely exhausted probably two hundred times in the book. Right. I mean, but he can't just the, say that the same yeah. thing every time, and so he has to find new ways of saying it. So yeah, I agree. That was probably I feel like as a writer that was probably his greatest challenge. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's anyway, been fun. We could talk about fun. it more when we yeah. talk about it. My my wife and I were laughing tonight about um the the uh and this comes early in the book, so this is not a big spoiler or anything. But he he's interviewing a, a, a ultra runner named Scott Dunlap, and Scott Dunlap says uh, the best way to recover from an ultra marathon is to eat a couple of edibles and watch all six Star Wars movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then you have to decide which order, and there's no so, way you so, have the capacity yeah, to figure yeah, out which true. order well, to watch I mean, those six d- d- depend, Depending on the edibles that you have, maybe the order doesn't matter all that much. So, yeah, <laughs> he but does. He does sit on the couch, and mm-hmm. yeah, if, he yeah. does say go ahead and lay on the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and of course, now, now there, now there's eleven uh, uh, Star Wars movies. Um, you know, there's five more than there were when Scott Dunlap actually said that to Addie Finn for the book, and so, you know maybe you need a couple more edibles and, and a bit more comfortable couch and perhaps a longer ultra to actually recover from. So uh, yeah, not bad. Very good. Very good. Um, well, yeah, if you haven't joined us for the book, um, are we going to, we're going to talk about it next week y'all because the quarter is about to come to an end. We're going to talk about it one week from now for the podcast that's coming out on the 24th, or are we going to talk about it two weeks from now for the podcast that's coming out on October 1st? What do you think? Second one, two weeks. I think so. two weeks. Michelle, what do you think? Two weeks? 
I'm good with whatever. All right. So, so we will discuss it for the podcast. It's going to come out on October 1st, which actually works out well because it's the book of the quarter. And that's the first day of the last quarter is October 1st. So, um, so, so yeah, Uh, if you have been reading along with us, if you wanted to read it along with us, by all means, finish it up over the course of the next couple of weeks. And we will be discussing it in depth uh, two weeks from today. Um, Looking forward to that. Um, All right. Speaking of being in depth though, we're going to go in depth on the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, so I feel like we probably need to, to start off by just sort of resetting up here what the Blue Ridge Relay is. Do you think that's probably true, Eric? I think that is, but I just want to – so, Michelle, I think your color commentary uh, for, for this discussion. So, you know, you're, you're really good at that. Um, you didn't join us on the course this year because you weren't out there running your virtual Boston. I don't think so, I had to be there. <laughs> no, you didn't have to be there. But uh, you did – I. I I, I we did. We did just, think of you. We did think of you when we went through Todd, North Carolina, home of your virtual Boston. Yeah, I got a picture of the parking lot. Mentioned. It was mentioned. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure you you knew that you need to interject a little bit of color into the conversation as we're going through this. And and, and actually, it's funny you say that, Eric, because like as we were getting ready to start, this is normally the place where I throw it to Michelle and say, Michelle, set us up with whatever this is we're about to talk about or give us the background on this thing. And so this is not really the time where I can throw to Michelle and say like, Michelle, tell us what the Blue Ridge Relay is. <laughs> um, or maybe that's exactly perfectly time. Michelle. In your estimation, what is the Blue Ridge Relay? Stupid. <laughs> you really want me to answer that? <laughs> so, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, I don't know, like, the specific details that I would want to know if I knew that I had to answer this question. All right, well, I mean, then, it's a point-to-point relay. A bunch of people, you guys, choose the uh, ultra version of it. And you came in second place for the Masters. And this is your, what, third year doing it with the same group of people? Fourth year. Mm -hmm. And there are, like, very specifically calculated who's going to run which leg, who's going to sit where in the van. Uh, George hydrated with milk last year. I mean, I don't know. Come on, this is not a fair. Milk, Slayer X, and Diet Coke. Milk, Slayer X, and Diet Coke. The recipe for for success. That's not bad, Michelle. Eric, what do you think? (laughs) So a few details, um, 200, 200 plus miles, uh, broken up into 36 legs. Um, teams range from our team of six or less to teams of 12. Uh, most teams are either nine or 12. Uh, if you, if you come with six or less, you're an ultra team. If you're older than 40, you're a master's team. And if you're older than 50, I think you're an ultra master or no, I'm sorry. Is that grandmaster? Grandmaster. So uh, we run a team of six. We had an interesting lineup, which we'll get into a little bit more later. Um, we Actually, we always have an interesting lineup, but we got even more interesting this year. And as Michelle said, uh, George is the unfortunate uh, team member to a bunch of engineers. And we, <laughs> we dialed in, I think this year, and if we don't say it again, I'll say it now. We dialed in the legs that we ran and who had those assignments and how they ran them absolutely the best we could this year. And we had a, we had a really solid, um, a solid time, solid experience. So just from a performance standpoint, I think we, we wrung everything out of it this year. And we came in second for the, the ultra masters, which is, which is good. We came in 21st overall, 
Um, but we'll, we'll break that down a little bit more as we get into it. I think that's, how's that George? That sounds good. That sounds good. That was actually sort of perfect. It was like, it was like Michelle gave us the bones and, and Eric went in and kind of filled it in a little bit, a couple other details. A little bit of meat on the bones. So exactly. Put some meat on the bones. A couple other pieces of context I'll add um, is that yes, indeed, as was mentioned, this is the fourth year that a team kind of this group of people have done it. The very first year we did it, we had six guys and all six of the guys were um, fraternity brothers with Eric and with me at Georgia Tech in the mid 1990s. Um, Lee Ragsdale came on the podcast a year or so ago and talked about how he had a longer experience in the Blue Ridge Relay and it always envisioned perhaps having an ultra masters team made up of his fraternity brothers from college. Finally got six of us together in 2018 and we did it. In 2019, two of the guys who had been on that team didn't come back. And so we found two other people that kind of fit the bill, that they were they were fraternity brothers of ours from Georgia Tech in the mid-1990s. Um, in 2020, last year, and during the sort of COVID-modified event, um, one of those two came back such that we had five people on the team um, plus a driver. Um, and we came up with a bright idea to actually have the driver, Dave, run the very first leg, and then to split the remaining 35 legs among the remaining five runners, such that the remaining five runners all ran seven times. This year in 2021, uh, five weeks before the start, five weeks to the day before the start, almost literally five weeks to the hour before the start, um, one of the members of the team, Brian, uh, had a negative interaction with a car. Um, he was on his bike and he was actually hit by a car um, uh, in a way that obviously injured him severely. And we had to pivot thinking that he wasn't going to be able to take part at all. He did end up actually being able to take part. He did end up being able to run four legs, which meant that we had Dave, the driver, running the opening leg. We had Brian running four legs. We had Lee, Brett, and me running eight legs, and we had Eric running seven legs. So you put all that together, that gives you the 36 stages of the 209-mile Blue Ridge Relay from way southwestern Virginia to Asheville, North Carolina. So it was a good race. As Eric said, we, uh, we did about the best we could do given that particular situation. Um, Eric, where do you want to start? Do you want to go through how we ran? Do you want to go through like leg by leg? Do you like, you want to talk about one of yours and I'll talk about one of mine. What do you think the best way to go about it? Michelle's going to think I just, this. I think I oh. just want to add, go ahead. Go ahead, Michelle. What actually, I know a lot about this, like everything, all of it, but I, what I actually don't know is who drives where to get the van in Virginia. And then what happens when you guys are all in Asheville and how do you all, <laughs> How do you return the van and get yourself back to your cars? Okay, that's, like, that's I assume actually, that's perfectly also like logistified with all of your so, engineer so people. Kind of. Okay, so that that's actually a really good question. And that's literally been different all four of the years we've done it. And this year and was this different. year was especially good. Yeah, this this year was especially different because as you probably know, um, most rental car companies have no vans. Have no vans. They they struggled, they they got rid of a lot of their fleets during the pandemic. And so Enterprise, which is normally the rental car company, which is normally actually a sponsor of the race, um, told the race only like a month or so before the start, we're not going to be able to sponsor you this year because we don't have enough vans to give discounts to all these people that are doing your race. And so we actually scrambled around looking for a van and then ultimately ended up finding a rental van that was only about a mile away from the college where I work. 
And Seriously? So, and so, so you yeah. picked up the van? So, so Dave, the driver, came and picked up the van from the spot about a mile away from where I worked. He swung by my college when I was done teaching class on Thursday afternoon and picked me up. Then the two of us drove to Asheville, North Carolina. In Asheville, we met Brett, who had driven his own car from Charleston, from Mount Pleasant, okay. South Carolina. Okay. Um, and we met Eric, Lee, and Brian, who had driven Lee's or, or Brian's car from Raleigh, North Carolina. In Asheville. Prior to that, Brian had actually driven from Maryland to Raleigh to meet Eric and Lee and drive them to Asheville. And so we all converged in Asheville. We left two cars at the hotel where we were going to be spending the night on Saturday night uh, in Asheville. And then we all hopped in the van and drove to to. Uh, so you guys rode in the van from Virginia. Asheville to the start line together. Correct. And this is when this is Thursday night because the Thursday race started night. at 830 Friday morning. Thursday night started at eight o'clock on Friday morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's um, actually pretty good. It worked out better than what the plan actually was for a little while. <laughs> and Dave, the driver is from Atlanta. He's here. So, so Dave, the driver lives in Metro Atlanta. Yeah. He lives in Dunwoody. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Eric. I wanted to, I wanted to add a little bit to the, you know, it, we talk about this so much and we've run it four years in a row. So we understand how the legs are laid out, but we, we talk about them and you think, oh, they're probably six mile legs. You know, if you do the math, I think six to seven miles per leg, if you take 209 divided by 36. But the reality is the legs are completely different. There are, there are major differences between the legs and there's no rhyme or reason to how the legs are laid out. So if you have a team like ours and you're running, you know, the, the the driver runs the first leg and then each person runs the seven legs after that. Well, you just kind of look at those combinations and figure out who's going to fit in what bucket. But in that bucket of seven legs, you could have anything from a 2.3 mile leg to a 9.3 mile leg. George. <laughs> um, I had a, I actually had a 5k leg that was all downhill. It was uh, 1.6 miles on a beat up, like a seriously beat up gravel road and then 1.6 miles on asphalt. Um, I had another leg that was asphalt and then gravel and then asphalt again to the finish and you run up into a, a Christmas tree lot. We have legs that, um, two legs that um, Brett de uh, calls the Blair Witch Project legs typically because we typically run through them at the night, they're foggy. You know, basically all you have is your headlamp. But the point of it is, is, you know, some legs are flat-ish, some legs are downhill, some legs are short, some legs are long. And the race director actually uh, puts uh, qualitative statements on them. So you'll have an easy leg, you'll have a moderate leg, you'll have a hard leg, you'll have a very hard leg, and then the mountain goat legs. And to, to put up some perspective, because we will talk about this, George, there are, I believe, three mountain, mountain goat legs on the, in the race, and they are absolutely no joke legs. Um, one of them, leg 31, is a, it's about a mile and a half, two miles flat, and then it's four miles averaging 10 to 11% grade. Um, the other legs, uh, uh, the leg that the mountain goat I ran this year is it's, it's only a 5.3 mile run and it took me over an hour. It, it, what averages, were you doing out there? <laughs> it averages 12 to 13% for almost a half mile. 
And then as soon as you get over the top, it's 12 to 13% for almost half a mile on the other side. And then it slowly, you know, comes back down. It literally looks like uh, ice cream cone turned upside down. So for the listener, you know, it's, it's not, these aren't like all 10 Ks. They aren't flat downhill, uphill, asphalt, gravel. It's a mix of everything. And you run it from beginning to end and you run it through the night. And we usually start fairly early in the morning and end in the afternoon the next day. That's exactly right. Yeah. There are three mountain goat hard legs. Yeah. I just looked it up as you were talking there, just because I was kind of curious to see myself. Um, and, and I had one of those and you had one of those and then somebody else had one of those as well. This, 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 this time around. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I feel like I, um, and I wrote this in my reflections, um, looking at the, the legs that I did, I felt like I had the widest variance of legs that I've had in the four years that we've run this. Um, I didn't have any really short ones. I didn't have any that were like 5K or less. I know that you had at least one of those. Um, but but all of my legs, I had sort of a long nine mile kind of flat one that only had about 300 feet of elevation gain. I had that 31 mile mountain goat leg that was a mile and a half sort of flat and then super sharp for another five miles after that. I had one that was uh, mostly downhill that was uh, nearly six miles long and mostly downhill. I had one that was a 10K that started with a big hill and then kind of rolled after that. Um, and so we, we finished and I wasn't quite as sore. I was beaten up definitely at the finish, but within two or three days, I wasn't as sore as I have been in the past. And I think one of the reasons for that might've been because my legs were so varied this time. My stages were so varied this time. Um, I don't, I, in the past, I've been largely downhill or mostly uphill or something like that. This one, I had almost something of everything, um, which I thought was kind of cool, which I thought was kind of cool. We also discussed that you guys legitimately warm up and cool down after each leg. I think it's and critical. It, yeah. Is that, why, why can't you just get going in the leg? Because you're being timed. Because you're being timed. So, so, so two, two reasons really. Um, How much extra mileage do you think you had from warming up and cooling down? At least I a had mile 6.91 extra mileage. Oh, there you go. So how many do you, do, do, are you really going to ask me how many I think I had? <laughs> I know precisely how much I had 6.91 extra miles. And in fact, it should have been more than that because on at least two occasions, particularly for, for the, my very last leg, I wished I would have long, warmed up longer. My very last yeah. leg, which was 35, I, I needed to be better warmed up because it literally starts up a 12% hill for two miles. Um, and, and I was kind of scattered because I was so tired. And so I literally walked out and got ready to warm up and then went, oh, wait, I forgot my sunglasses. So I walked back to the van. Does everybody uh, th th Then I walked down. I was like, oh, wait, I forgot my number. And so I walked back up. And then I started walking down. Oh, wait, I forgot. And at that point, I just sent somebody else actually back to the van to get it for me. I started warming up. But then Lee comes screaming in three minutes before I expected him. And so I only ended up warming up for about a minute and a half. Um, and I needed a good six, seven minutes worth of warm up. So, so the reason why is twofold. First is because, because they're timing us when we're actually racing. That's where the time counts. And so you don't want to warm up while they're timing you. Um, you want to be running well. You want to be running fast. Um, you know, if you're doing a 5k road race or a 10k road race, you don't want to warm up at the first mile of the 5k or the 10k, um, because they're timing you during that part. You want to warm up when they're not actually timing you. Right. Um, okay. so, that, so, so, so that's one reason. Um, the other reason is, and Eric can attest to this as well, is that your legs are just 
you are when when I first start trying to warm up, when I first went to warm up for leg 31, and I ended up running well in leg 31. But when I first went to warm up for leg 31, I could barely move. Yeah. Like not just stiff, but like literally barely move. Like everything hurts and I'm and, and, and my legs are straight and my knee hurts and my Achilles hurts and my, my lower back was hurting. Um, and so I literally ran a hundred yards at what was not even really a run. It was somebody pretending to run who was actually walking. Um, and All then right. I turned around and ran about a hundred yards back in the other direction, slightly faster and then slightly faster. And I never got to a place where I really ran all that fast. Uh, I think your but, first mile, but I had to have What'd you say? Wasn't your first mile, the slowest mile of that yeah. leg? Yeah. And, and, and to Michelle's point in that leg, the flat opening mile was, was, was a slower leg. It was not the slowest leg in that, but it ended up being a slower leg in there because it was slower than some of the hilly legs uh, or hilly miles in that leg because I was still just warming up because I was so beaten up at that point. Um, okay. But then, but the cool down, like, don't you just want to take off your shoes and get in the van? Yes. Like, don't you just want to be done? Yeah, absolutely. But, but think about this, Michelle, that, that is, so I'll give you the perfect example. So one of the legs I ran, I told you it was a 5k, right? And I don't know what happened, but I started getting pretty excited right before that run. I, actually, I do know what happened. We usually get to this leg about two hours later, hour and a half, two hours later. So the sun is set. But George and Brett, well, actually, George, Brett, and Lee had run some phenomenal legs and Brian, getting us there. And Brian. And Brian. Mm -hmm. and Brian, definitely Brian, getting us there so that when they handed it off to me, I had a chance of getting through that entire leg without even Daylight. turning my head. Yeah. And think about the importance of this. Uh, I have astigmatism. And when the light gets, when the sun starts to go down, when it gets down behind the trees, I totally lose depth perception. But the first uh, 1.6 miles of this, this 5k, I'm running down this. It's not a gravel road. It's a rocky road. So <laughs> So my, my thing was, I want to get down that thing as fast as possible. So I wanted to be, you know, fueled and engine running hot when they showed up. And I was the second thing though, the cool down, right? So I just ran, I ran a 19 minute 5k in the middle of this, this, you know, 209 mile stage race, but the next leg is 2.3 miles. So if I if think about this, if you, if you run a 19 mile 5K downhill and don't even try to shake some of that out of your legs and just jump in the van and sit down, how are you going to feel the next time you stand up? Well, I know what it feels like to do these track workouts the last few weeks and not cool down and it's not good. <laughs> really bad. So, yeah, so it's, it's just it the is mental, the, the mental fortitude to get back to the van and be able to just be done and get in the van versus go run. Michelle, I'll tell you, it, it's even, it's even harder than you think. Honestly, but I know it's hard. Like I wouldn't yeah. be able, like, so, so running, I, yeah, I, I, but, but by the end, by the end of this, mind you, so, so like we said, Brian ran four legs. And so that means that, that by the time we got to where we were in the last stages of this, um, With and both Eric and I had some pretty difficult stages at the end. Um, and so it's not like, you know, it was really hard at the beginning. It wasn't so hard at the end. By the time we got there, we had pretty quick turnarounds, less than two hours actually between most of our runs. Ugh. And so the last thing you want to do at that point is 
jog around for three or four minutes, and then pull off your shoes, put on your recovery boots, uh, uh, you know, roll around on a lacrosse ball, use their percussive massager, put on all these extra clothes. Like the last thing you want to do is all of that stuff, because in 90 minutes, you're going to have to undo all of it. In 90 right. minutes, you're going to have to begin the process again of pulling off all of those clothes and pulling off your compression socks and putting back on your running clothes and repinning your number back on. And so the last thing you want to do is go through all this stuff because you're so tired and it just feels fruitless and stupid. And so, yeah. so, so yeah, making yourself go through that routine and all of us, I know Eric wrote about this and I wrote about this in our reflection, talked about how difficult it is to make yourself go through that routine late in the race when you're when you're mentally and physically tired and you're just kind of sick of going through the routine you want to just finish and just sit down and maybe even fall asleep for an hour and a half and then just kind of roll out of the van next time um but and that would make for a far less running enjoyable running experience right and i think everybody on the team has done that once in the past four years and it is miserable not it is it. miserable when you get out in the course for that next run. So I will, I will point this out, you know, cause I like to, I hope that we educate a little bit on these podcasts for people. So if you're considering something like this and George wrote about it in his reflections on the race, we always do a post-race reflections email. And, and I wrote about it so cute. pretty extensively. Right. I wrote about it pretty extensively. And, but the, the one thing I, we called out was a routine. And I think about this and I plan this out to the T one, because I'm an engineer and that's what we do. But two, because the routine saves you and, and late in the race, when you've just finished your sixth leg and you've got another one to do, the routine is what's going to make that seventh leg successful. And, you know, little things like I, I put a bag of clothes for every leg in there because I, I sweat a lot. So I'm going to get out of my wet shorts and shirt. And I'm gonna, so I literally have a Ziploc bag with clothes in it, but then I put food, I put an Enduralite. I put a little baggie of powdered uh, Powerade or Gatorade. I put it all in that bag. And every, every two or three bags, I'll put one of those large um, wet wipes that you can like take a, a shower with one of those things so that I don't even have to think about it. I just pick up that bag and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to do this, 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 this. And we, we all kind of take a corner in the van. That's kind of our corner. And my stuff is sitting there so I can take my number off and set it down. My phone's sitting there and I just grab that bag and I start working through my routine. And I know do not stop until the routine is done. Cause as soon as you stop, you're done, right? You, you just have to get through the cool down. If you're going to roll out, roll out, you know, change, dry off, change, wash, whatever, then you can sit. So I, th I think routine is huge for an individual who's considering a big stage race like this. Mm -hmm. I think so. Is too. there like, a noticeable energy shift just once the sun starts to go down? Like, is it just, is it obvious? I don't, I don't think there's one once the sun starts to go down. I do think past about midnight, there, yeah. there, there is a noticeable energy shift. And and likewise, I would say there's no noticeable energy shift once the when sun, the sun rises. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, the sun rising makes a profound difference. Um, but, but yeah, to me, to me, it, it comes later, it comes much later is that than when the sun goes down. Um, I didn't, I started feeling really, really tired around my, after my fifth leg is when I started feeling really tired. And that was around 3am, 2am. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and so that's when I literally like just felt sleepy. 
Um, and I was just like, I want to rest. And, and I missed part of my routine in that one. Um, uh, part of, part of your routine is obviously refueling and hydrating and, and eating some stuff and that sort of thing. And I was drinking a 32 ounce of, of Slayer X between every single one and drinking a diet Coke and, and drinking some amount of chocolate milk, usually about 16 ounces of it. And I didn't have the 32 ounce Slayer X during that just because mixing it and getting the water and all these, I was just tired. And so I missed it. And the weather was good this year. And so I was like, oh, I don't really, I, I can miss it. I'm not going to be dehydrated. I'm actually doing okay with, de with, with dehydration. Um, and I almost paid a price for that. Um, I almost did. I, I told everybody that I finished the race like on the verge of dehydration. I was not there yet. I was okay. But just missing that one 32 ounce rehydration cycle, um, I think nearly, uh, nearly hurt me. Um, but the weather was nice enough to where it did. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that kind of leads into the, the team routine, both Michelle's question and your comment. There's also a kind of a team routine, Michelle. And what I mean by that is, um, you, you have to get to the next exchange zone and in the process, you got to make sure the next guy's ready. And we have, to, we did a really good job this year. I think we could have done a little better job. We always can in those early morning hours of making sure that guy's drinking, making sure that guy has eaten something, making sure that guy is, you know, shoot up and ready to step out of the van when we get to the exchange zone. Um, we failed George once. Um, and then, <laughs> and then late in the night. So our routine is typically, and during the day, we're really good at this. One guy jumps out of the van with a Vuvuzela and he goes a half mile down the road to, to basically blow the Vuvuzela when he sees the runner coming. And what that's for is to tell the next runner, I need to be so ready to go. Mm -hmm. He's no, he's about three minutes away. Yeah. Right. So he's you should be done with yeah. warm up. Yeah. yeah. And you should be ready to go. And we totally failed George in that. There was no Vuvuzelo blow. Um, only one guy had gone to the, to the start and he was literally standing at the start and you hear it, you hear this George, <laughs> and George looks at me and he goes, did you just hear my name? And I'm like, I don't know. I was out of it. I was totally out of it. And then you hear George. <laughs> and George is standing at the door of the van looking at me. I think you were still taking your long sleeve shirt off. I, I, I still had a long sleeve shirt on because, because it was cool at night. Yeah. It and then cool. I was, I was like, that was definitely my name. And I start running over and I'm basically running alongside Lee as we get right up to the exchange zone. He's like, where have you been? And I was like, dude, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready. And I pull <laughs> off my, and I pull off my shirt and I throw it to him and, and we had no problems with the exchange. We didn't lose any time in that, but the, but there was, there was a, but we had, that team routine that we have really works when it works. Uh, but that two, three o'clock morning hour is where it starts to wear. So did you miss like, the sound of that exchange or was Lee just too fast? So no, we missed the sound. Yeah. He, he, he might've been a little bit, he might've been like a minute fast. He might've come in like slightly faster than we expected him to, but, but Must have worn his Nikes. So, so probably I, th I think that might've been the leg it's actually where he did wear his vapor flies. No, it wasn't. He wore his vapor flies on the long leg 13. I don't know what he wore on stage 26. He was wearing his sketchers by, uh, I think by, by the time he got to that point. Um, but yeah. Um, what shoes did you wear? Eric? So this is a really funny story. Cause this starts a while back, um, mm -hmm. where I was getting ahead of the game and I'm starting to say, Hey, here's my shoe lineup. And it was awful. <laughs> Well, what's this funny is, like, is this slow. is like in July, right? You're talking about like in July. Like in July. Mm -hmm. and, and it was like a pair of Boston's. It was a pair of endorphin speeds, maybe. 
you know, and, and Michelle, and then George sends out history lineup and Michelle said, this is in our thread. And then <laughs> Michelle sends out, looks like George is planning on running faster than <laughs> and it just blew me away, but this is really cool, Michelle. And this is your fault. And it's a good thing. I really, I really appreciate you for doing this because at that moment, when, when I got that message from Michelle, I said, why did she say that? And I'm like, I really thought deeply about it. And I said, you know what? I have approached the Blue Ridge Relay like, like a constant ultra, like a, like a 50 mm. mile or a 50 K or something like that. Mm. And in those, yeah, you're not going to run fast and you probably want to wear a really well cushioned shoe because you're, you're constantly moving. I said, but Blue Ridge isn't like that. Blue Ridge is basically a series of 5k, 10ks and 13ks. <laughs> and you should be getting turnover. You should be looking to stay on your toes. You should be mm-hmm. racing every leg. Mm-hmm. So I rethought that. And, you know, by the end of the day, by the time we were going out there, I had a set of uh, sketchers, uh, uh, what are they? Um, speed elite speed hypers. Elite hypers. Mm-hmm. I had a pair of sketchers, speed elite hypers. Uh, and I had a pair of endorphin, uh, pros, Saucony endorphin pros <laughs> and Michelle, those are the only two shoes I wore the whole race. Mm-hmm. I, I wore the Saucony's on every leg that had gravel. Cause that's just not where you run <laughs> in the sketchers. Sure. Right. And, and the Saucony's in the last leg because it was such a steep downhill and it, I needed just that little extra cushion. But what's really cool about this, Michelle, is that those plated shoes with that, you know, that rocker design, that formed plate, I was able to get better turnover on the flats and the slight downhills than I ever would have in any other shoe. It just would have been wasted energy to wear a a Hoka or something like that. And there were multiple times where I'd look down at my watch at that mile split and I go, that's a, I keep, that's, that can't be right. My GPS must be off. This is me like every day on my easy run when I wear a plated shoe. (laughs) My, my watch must be lying to me. And then climbing, you know, these, these guys, this leg 21, I did, which is hard. I, I didn't, I didn't re I didn't research it very well. I looked at it and I'm like, this looks pretty tough, but leg, leg, ran, leg 21 is one of the hardest legs in the race. In my opinion, yeah. I ran that leg and I was not destroyed at the end of it. In fact, I don't know if you remember, George, uh, I don't know if you were there, but I came down the final hill of this leg, Michelle, and I, I do felt so good mm-hmm. that Lee is standing there at the exchange zone, and I was going so fast, I ran right by him. He was not ready at all. I ran like 20 yards past him, and as I'm running past Brian, Brian's like, you know, you can stop now. I thought that was because your, your, your quads were so beaten up that you couldn't put on the brakes. I thought that's what happened I didn't there. want to. I didn't want to, but okay. I just, I felt so good on that leg mm-hmm. and I attribute it to those shoes. I attribute it to those shoes. And um, you were yeah, wearing I, the Skechers on that leg, right? I was wearing the Skechers on that leg because it was an all asphalt leg. And I remember how it started and how it finished. And I felt great. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this too. I've worn cushioned shoes for an entire blue ridge relay not run as fast or as tough the legs as i did this year and i came out feeling a lot worse Mm. uh i have not had the serious pain you know post race that i've had in previous legs Mm. and i wore race shoes the whole time Mm. so i attribute that to you michelle and your comment i love those shoes i uh, everybody's different but if you want to run fast 
plated shoes are the way to go. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, and the balcony endorphin series is primo. Those things are awesome. All except for that stupid little tab on the tongue. Where we don't need to go. <laughs> we are not going there. We are just, we are, that is in and out of this podcast. Okay. So if you both wore shoes that were, I mean, essentially you, you guys basically spent most of the time in plated shoes and it like, we spent, we spent the whole of, time in plated shoes. Yeah, we both did. But, but a huge part of what we talk about with that research is the way that it saves your legs mm -hmm. and even just the recovery after, mm -hmm. I mean, typically we're talking about a really hard marathon effort, but mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like you guys are saying that even in this, I mean, you were able to consistently go out there in one plated shoe or another and mm -hmm. run faster than you thought you would have. And then, and then what about now? Like, what about the recovery? Is it? Yeah. So, so I wore, I, I brought four pairs of shoes with me as well. Four pairs of, of running shoes with me as well. Um, in addition to my recovery shoes and, and the shoes that I was wearing on the ride up there. Um, so, so I, I brought four pairs of running shoes and like Eric, I ended up using two of them. Um, and so I brought, I brought the endorphin speeds, the endorphin pros, um, the, the deviate nitros and the, the, uh, razor threes, the sketcher razor threes. Um, and I wore the deviate nitros for five of the legs and I wore the, uh, endorphin pros for three of them. Um, and so, so yeah, when I, I had told Eric and I had told the other people on our team, and I think I mentioned to you, you too, is Michelle, that, that after a couple of days off, so finished on Saturday, took Sunday off, took Monday off as well. I was actually feeling pretty good come Tuesday. Um, I probably could have gone back to training on Tuesday. I went ahead and took Tuesday off. And then on Wednesday, I hiked with my wife because it was her birthday. And I did my regular Wednesday morning bike workout and felt just fine. Now, interestingly enough, today, Thursday, I was actually more sore than I was on Tuesday, um, potentially from the hike from I'm not sure exactly what, but I ended up taking today off as well. And then I'm going to kind of get back into a routine and, and start training for the California International Marathon, which I'm now doing, um, which is 11 weeks from Sunday um, come come Saturday. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of start getting back to that routine over the course of this weekend. But anyway, your point was about soreness. I, I felt less sore after this one than I felt after the previous three. Uh, and I attribute that in part to the fact that I held back a little bit more in the beginning um, because I had been sick, as everybody knows, just a couple of weeks beforehand. Um, I attribute that in part to, as I mentioned before, my legs were really varied. Um, and so I wasn't like all uphill or all downhill. Um, and, and I think that because of that, I worked a wide variety of muscles. And, and so no one thing got totally sore. Um, but I also attribute that to, to the shoes. Um, um, I think that, that one of the bonuses of plated shoes, um, and with all of their, their advanced foams is that they're supposed to save your legs. Um, and I think that as a result, not, not as much was taken out of me. I also attribute to the fact that this is the fourth time we've done it. And so my body is learning how to do it a little bit better. Um, but I think all of those factors combined meant that I was feeling a lot better on Tuesday than I normally feel on Tuesday. And I probably could have gone back to regular training had I really wanted to. It's pretty cool. Do yeah. you guys have a favorite leg? Like, is there a leg that yes. you just refuse to give up to? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that's no. And, and, and I am willing to give them up, but actually it's funny. So I, I, my, Doesn't my, favorite, like it. <laughs> my, my favorite leg that I had ever run um, before this year was stage 14 in 2018. And it's a 10K leg and it starts from the swimming pool in Blowing Rock. Um, <laughs> where you and, met us. And it goes where, yeah. where, where Michelle met us last year. Uh, and it goes uphill for about a mile. 
about a mile and a half, really. I mean, it's a pretty solid uphill. It goes for a while. And then yeah. it rolls mostly downhill for the remainder. It's almost exactly it's a 5K. Uh, it's actually 10K. really good. Um, um, and, uh, and it's fun for me um, and it's fun for us because it happens to come at a moment in the race where we're really starting to catch a lot of other teams. Um, and so, so you go rolling down that hill and you're just passing person after person after person. And so in 2018 and here in 2021, um, I ran that leg and I ran it much faster than I expected to. Um, and I passed on each of the, each time, both in 2018 and in 2021, I passed 14 people on that leg. Wow. Um, and so that had always been my favorite one. Like looking back over the course of the first three times we had done the race, it's like, George, what's the favorite one you ever ran? I would say stage 14, 2018. Uh, and I had the opportunity to run stage 14 for the first time again, since 2018, this time. Um, and I ran 10 seconds slower than I did last time. Um, and, and I passed 14 people again. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and once again, had a ball, once again, had a blast. You looked a lot less fresh at the end of this one than you did at the end of your first one in 2018. Yeah, I, could, I could see when that. When you ran up to the van and you had your little celebration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I can imagine. I can imagine I did. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I, I, was, I, I did not quite know exactly what was going to happen um, with my fitness and everything come late in the race this time around. Um, but I wore the Endorphin Pros for that one because – there was a part of me, I had worn the Deviate Nitros for the first two stages because I was like, I want to wear a slightly slower pair of shoes. This is a good trusty pair of training shoes. I've really liked these training shoes. I, I, I want to hold back here since I had been sick a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and come that third leg, it was stage 14. I knew it was the first time I had run it since it was my favorite stage back then. I went ahead and put on the uh, endorphin pros in the sunset colorway, uh, and ended up running a pretty snappy 10 K, um, and, and enjoyed it, had a ball. Yeah. Um, so I wore the endorphin pros for the next leg, which ended up being, uh, almost six miles at under six minute pace, <laughs> Wow! <laughs> um, because it was mostly a downhill leg and, and was having a ball oh. on that one. Um, and then wore them for a nine mile leg. Um, which was my third to last leg, which was my, my sixth leg. Um, I had a nine mile leg that, that I was like, all right, thinking of saving the legs. Um, I wore them for that. And was um, that in the middle of the night? So it was, it was about two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I, uh, when I, when I did that one, um, I finished that one and my feet were hurting. Um, and so at that point I decided to ship back to the deviate nitros. And that I think that was, even though they're heavier, I think that was a good choice for my last two stages, 31 and 35. Right. Cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Michelle, I, I had two favorite stages and one of them I didn't even run. And I have to, I have to point this <laughs> out. Um, in 2018, I ran uh, leg 31 and it destroyed me. There's pictures of me that I am not so proud of <laughs> coming up the last hundred yards of that. And if you've ever seen, um, uh, what's the Monty Python movie, um, Quest for the Holy Grail? Have you ever seen the scene where the knight is running up to the castle and the two guys are standing at the castle and they kind of look at one another and they look back out and the knight is still running and then they look at each other and they look back out and the knight is still running and he's only covering like 50 yards, but it takes him like a minute and a half to get to the castle. That's 
how George and Brett described me coming up 31 <laughs> in 2018. George said, oh, there he is. We better get ready. And I think it was probably four or five minutes later that I actually got to the top of the mountain. But that was not what I was saying is my favorite leg. It was leg 31 in 2021. Um, I, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this. I was in the van, it's dark, and George is coming up the mountain. And I knew how tired George should be based on his previous legs to 31. And I saw him leave on leg 31. And I said, Ooh, that does not look like the George that we usually <laughs> see. But we went and positioned the van at this switchback area on leg 31 that's about halfway up the mountain. And I'm sitting in the van just kind of looking out the window. And I see this biker coming up, you know, you see the light coming up and it's going through the switchbacks. And I'm like, that biker is weaving and bobbing like crazy. And what I realized is that is no biker. That is George's headlamp. And he is <laughs> running so fast. He looks, if there was a biker on the mountain, he would have been passing him. And then you see, as he comes closer, the big, smile on his face <laughs> and he literally was running 730 715 what were you running at that point george i was running about 715 yeah he's running about 715 miles a 715 minute miles up this you know he's probably going through a 10 or 11 percent grade section <laughs> of the mountain and he has he's only halfway he's got another two miles to go <laughs> so we all get in the van and bust up to the top of the mountain um, I, I don't, George could probably, he'll do a better job describing it. He might actually have a little trouble, but <laughs> he laid down the, the best leg of the race and I was floored. And he, he said after the race, I can't believe you didn't make fun of me for this. I, actually, I think I did make fun of you for it or something is what it was. Okay. Uh, he said, I, I can't believe nobody made fun of me for this just because of how emotional he was at the end of the run. But he literally poured everything into this and he killed it. And I'm going to turn it over to you, George, to explain <laughs> what you said to us and why, you know, what happened, what lit the fire in you. Yeah, why? Well, like, yeah, no, I, and Eric, you're, you're, you're my good friend. And that's, that's a very generous description of, of how that went, but it's but, accurate. Um, but, but, but you're right that, that, uh, you know, I started that leg and I was tired. It was the seventh leg I was running and that everybody knows that leg is a beast. Um, and I had just run this nine mile leg, you know, two hours prior. And, and at that point I'm pretty tired and I'm pretty beaten up. And, and like I said, getting ready to run that, I literally like could barely move to start the warm up, Right. Um, and so I go out and the first flat mile um, is not my fastest mile by any stretch. And I think it's funny that you say you, you looked at me and you're like, George, that looks so good because I probably didn't. Um, but no, I, I had started thinking um, a few hours prior because I knew obviously what my legs were. I started thinking about leg 31. Um, and, and I had been thinking about how in 2018, we've done this race three times prior to this year. In 2018, that leg beat the crap out of Eric. And in 2019, it beat the crap out of me. And in 2020, it beat the crap out of Brett. I was like, every year, this stage, this leg beats us. 
Um, and, and I started thinking around leg 23. So, you know, a few hours prior, I was like, I need to hold back here a little bit. I'm not going to let leg 31 beat us again this year. Um, it's not going to beat us again this year. So once you get to leg 31, start running it, start making my way up the hill. Um, and it starts going well. Um, but I had that sort of mantra in my head. It's not going to defeat us this year. It's not going to defeat us this year. It's not going to defeat us this year. And I was kind of going through that and, and I got to, about mile four. Um, and you know how running, and this is why we do it, has these applications for your life beyond running. Um, like none of us would do it if it was just running in a vacuum. Um, but some something switched over in that mile to where suddenly it wasn't just, I'm not going to be defeated by this leg. But I started thinking about all the things in the last 18 months that have been defeating us, you know, um, with, with COVID. And I'm in this school board race that sometimes gets pretty ugly. And, and it's just all of this frustration and this emotion that we've had to try and deal with over the course of the last long while. And I actually started getting choked up. And I was like, I was like, we're not going to be defeated. This is not going to be as I can control this. I can do this thing and this matters. Um, and, and I won't be defeated by it. Um, and, and I actually kind of had to, had a hard time holding it together. Um, and then as Eric suggested, I kind of ended up speeding up over this switch part, uh, switchback parts The the van passed us. And I tried to say like, let's go, let's go to the van, like try to be charged up. And it turned into like, let's, let's go, let's go. Like, and then like, 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 just cause I, I, I couldn't quite articulate the emotion I was feeling. And then I got to the top of the mountain, um, and just was like crying really. Um, like stopped and handed off and Brett started running the next leg. And, and I just, I couldn't hold it together. And even for the next few hours, I would try to talk about it and, and I couldn't shake off the emotion of it. I tried to call my wife to talk to her about it. And I just couldn't shake it off. Um, and even now I'm talking about it and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's not the most straightforward description. Um, but happily, you know, that leg 31, it didn't defeat us this year. Um, and, and it makes me feel like, okay, maybe in fact, we can persist amidst all of the, the, the struggles that we've all had here in the last couple of years. So, yeah, it, it was, it, that's great. I, I like the analogy to just kind of everything that was going on and it built up in you and you were able to have sort of a crossover moment <laughs> for sure. And, and Michelle, George finishes the run and, you know, he comes up to the van and he opens the door and the first thing we all you want to ask is how to go. And all he said, I don't even think we got it out of our mouths. He said, I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> I just can't talk about it yet. And then he shuts the door to the van and he, he starts. Go- I was like, he's running down the hill now. What's he, what's he doing? <laughs> I, like, I, I did my cool down. But I wasn't. And I wasn't ready to talk about it even a few hours later. Like I said, I tried to call up my wife from from the next exchange zone, the one in between 32 and 33. And I, and I, I just couldn't quite shake it off just yet. I left her this like sort of breathless voicemail um, that, that is me trying to explain where I was at that point. Um, yeah. Was that also like 6 a.m.? So um, it was, I was running in the dark and the, I, I ran, I mean, I ran into dawn, basically. I finished right yeah. at dawn. 
Like yeah, maybe Casey was sleeping. Like so, <laughs> I, te- I, I, te- I sent her a voice. To you later. I sent her your favorite. I sent her a voice text, Michelle. I just don't oh, want to God. say that because I know how much you hate voice text. I just can't stand it. <laughs> this is a funny point i like you know we have families that are back home and they're watching this and Mm -hmm. they're sending us messages every once in a while and i wanted to point something out you know grace my daughter um she's at duke this is her first semester at duke and she's an ultra runner also um she actually sent me i think 25 memes during the race and she just kept sending them. And I was just laughing my butt off constantly at these silly, silly memes. She set her alarm for 2 a.m., woke up at 2 a.m., and she had a couple of memes ready to go. And she sent them to me specifically because she knows how hard that time of the day is. Mm-hmm. So just imagine, you know, you're in the middle of this race. And I'm a little like I don't get necessarily sleepy. I get really tired, but I don't get sleepy during these. So I'm, I'm OK staying awake. And all of a sudden my phone's like, ding. And I look <laughs> down. And I just start chuckling and I'm like, she is actually awake and sending me stuff. Now, sometimes you don't know because your phone goes in and out of connection and you you might receive something late, but I'm like, no, she actually just sent that to me. And it was, it was awesome to have that support back home, you know, during the run, you know, someone who's willing to set an alarm for 2am for you. They're the bomb. Sure. She hangs out with George a little bit. He could teach her about TikTok. She could like up her game next year and send you some oh, good TikToks. <laughs> I, no, we're not in the TikTok. So. I, I know it's the worst voice text, memes, TikTok videos. It's really hard to be in the text box with George. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so Michelle, you asked us what our favorite was. I was going to say, you, Eric, you said, yes, you, had, you, said you had two favorites. <laughs> so, so yep. your first well, favorite, first your first favorite was, 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 was a very nice segue into, into to helping me tell the story of, of stage 31, but right. what's your other one? So my favorite leg was actually leg 21. Really? And, and, and it's funny. I'm a big like prepare. Was that your hardest one? Well, no, uh, 33 was my hardest one. No. We won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but 21, I, I didn't ever really research it. I, I, I wasn't even sure if it was all gravel or all asphalt. I, I just didn't. I don't know why. I think it was all the, the churn and trying to figure out who's running what leg because of all the changes we were doing. And I never really looked at that leg. And right off the bat, Brett's like, oh, man, 6 and 11. That's a hard turnaround. And I'm like, okay, 6 and 11 went really well for me. And then it was George. Oh, 21 is one of the hardest legs of the race. I'm like, <laughs> Wow, so I just got through six eleven. I, I got to run sixteen, and now they're telling me twenty one's a hard leg. <laughs> you know, and and sixteen is the leg that I just blew out. It's the the five k. So I'm I'm really apprehensive of this leg. Well, it's actually like the first I don't know the first couple three miles of it are actually really awesome. Uh, there's a couple little climbs. And then it's just like you run along this river and it's kind of, it's all asphalt. And I'm, I was wearing the, the uh, Skechers, the Speed Elite Hypers. And I'm just motoring and I'm catching people every once in a while. And uh, the, the reason why I'm going to bring this up is Lee, before the race, had downloaded all of the legs as courses that you could download to your phone, right? I'm sorry, your watch. I had been using this for every every leg and using the, the map and the turn by turn. And yes, it gets a little annoying, but what I discovered was you can switch it over and it just shows you the profile. 
And one of the hard things about Lake 21 is it's a bunch of little hills. I think it's six little hills and then one big hill. But you lose track of which hill you're on while you're running, right? Because there's so many of them and you're not sure, was that the hill or was this the hill or whatever? So I went to the, I, I switched it over to the profile and I was able to actually say, okay, that's peak one, that's peak two, that's peak three. And that little bit of knowledge, I think, is what really carried me through the race. So, you know, I'm the tech guy. I always want to talk about something tech. I think when you're running a, a leg kind of blind, I mean, we, we run this maybe once every three years, you'll run a specific leg and it's a long leg and it's a challenging leg like that. That was really key, especially when I hit that final hill because it's dark. I don't know where the top of the hill is and I'm trying to meter out my effort so that I can finish strong and I'm going along, going along, going along. And it's just switch back, switch back, switch back, switch back. And I'm coming up to the top and I, there was a sign near the top that I recognized from a previous year, but I looked down and I said, Oh, I've only got about maybe 300 <laughs> yards to the top of the hill. And I guess I should also mention, I could only see about 10 feet in front of myself because of the fog and because my glasses were fogging up because <laughs> of the headlamp. So I couldn't even see the top of the hill until I got to it. But I looked down at my watch and I'm like, Hey, I'm there. Right. I'd been tracking myself up that. And I thought that that was just such a cool tool. And I really appreciate Lee for thinking of that, downloading those and making them available to me. So that's not why 21 was my favorite leg. It was my favorite leg because it was kind of built up and I felt really good during the whole thing. I think a lot of it had to do with the shoes. A lot of it had to do with the, the routine. Um, and, and certainly a piece of it had to do with the knowledge I was able to carry on my wrist into it. Cool. Good. Yeah, no, le leg 21 is, it's, it, you have, like, like Eric said, you have, uh, it sort of starts flat and rolling and sort of nice. And then you have a hill. Then you have a bigger, steeper, longer hill. Then you have a bigger, steeper, longer hill. And then the last one is a bigger, steeper, even longer hill. And so it's like a series of hills that just get longer and steeper the longer that you go along. And it's an eight mile leg too. So it's not like you're talking about like some little short 5k or something. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I, Eric, um, my, the way that things worked out for me and mine is that I had a fairly difficult first leg, but I took it kind of easy since I was uncertain. And then I had four legs that were 30 to 40 minutes a piece. And then I had a sting in the tail. My last three legs are my three hard ones. Eric had a difficult first leg, a difficult second leg. And then he had a little bit of a break and had a few difficult legs there at the end as well. And so my legs started kind of easy and got really hard. Eric started hard, got easy and then got hard again. Um, and so, so Eric ran seven stages rather than running eight stages, but he definitely had a harder assignment, I think, than, than I did in the way that things laid out. Um, Eric, Eric ran stage 11, which I think is the hardest of the first 12 stages. And he ran stage 21, which I think is the hardest of the second 12 stages. And I think um, there was a two favorite legs this year, 11 so and since since you guys have already mapped out what you're doing next year, are you each keeping your favorite legs from this year on your uh, legs for next year? Let's see. So, In a way. <laughs> fun, 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 funny that you say that. So, so I should go and look exactly at which legs that I, I have agreed to for next year. Because the race is over like what? 
96 hours ago. So we definitely need to know what's happening <laughs> next year, right? Like that's, that's already, right. That's already we're, laid we're, out. We, we were joking about the fact that, um, and I think that this is a testament to how much we actually enjoyed it this year. Um, this year, we had a good race. And I think that all of us look at it and felt like we had the best race that we possibly could have had under these circumstances. Um, there was hardly any bad legs among us. Um, and, and I think that, that we, that that has a lot to do with it. I think the fact that we sort of have given ourselves over to this format in which Dave, the driver runs leg one, and then the remainder of us run seven legs a piece, rather than trying to spend the next better part of the next year, trying to find somebody new. I think that gets us excited about next year. Um, and, and I think that we just had a lot of fun too. Um, so yeah, for next year, next year, let's see, I'm looking at doing leg three, leg eight, leg 13, uh, leg 18, uh, leg 23, leg 28 and leg 33. Um, You're not so, doing 31. so I'm not doing, so Eric's doing 31 next year. Um, so, so I, I'm not doing my, my favorite is 14. Um, and I won't be doing 14 again next year, which I think is good. I don't want to do it every year. Um, but I will be doing 13, which is the one that finishes the blowing rock swimming pool. And I'll be looking forward to seeing you there, Michelle. <laughs> and, and Dave will run the first leg again. So and then drive the, the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Do you guys think Dave like could get a new pair of shoes for the next So, year? But see, so, so, so <laughs> Dave ran about four miles. Dave, the driver ran about four miles in 2020. And they were the first four miles of Blue Ridge Relay. Okay. And then he, between that time and, and now ran... <laughs> I don't think ran at all. Um, and then he put on the <laughs> same guy. pair. He put on the same pair of shoes that he wore in the 2020, 2020 <laughs> um, uh, Blue Ridge Relay. And he wore them for the opening leg of the 2021 Blue Ridge Relay. I kind of like you guys he, could help him out. I kind of feel like he should run in the same pair, <laughs> pair of shoes for the 2022 opening leg of Blue Ridge Relay. The best part about the story, by the way, is that they're not running shoes. <laughs> are they why don't i know this how did i miss this they're on style shoes they're like yeah. the, oh, the, like the on cloud with the the ones that don't even tie so they tie they have laces um but but they they're they're not running shoes they're just sort of general fitness trainers yeah mm -hmm. i Go think th this is the interesting thing about how that came about like I, I, the the fact that he runs that leg is so important because I don't think any one of us could run that leg and not be so excited that we blow down the mountain as fast as we can. I've done it, right? As, say, and, as and, Eric did in 2018. <laughs> and, and the detriment of that is huge. It, it, it destroys you for the rest. It, somewhere halfway through the race, you're going to go, that was a mistake. So for him to do that, it takes that sting out of that first leg. And, you know, George mentioned this, and I'll mention this. One thing that we were very conscious about this year was – take those first two fairly easy. You know, you're not, it's not an easy run. You're not running, you know, nine minute miles, but take it easy. Don't run 715, 720, or in George's case, 615, 620. But so that you have the long, you know, you have the endurance to get through the race. And the fact that Dave does that is huge. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the guy sits in the driver's seat of that van for the rest of the duration. Yeah, that's awful. And, and he's like team mom, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he is 
so appreciated by us. It's amazing. Uh, or, I mean, he's, he's very appreciated by us, but he's just got to stay awake. He's got to, he plans this stuff out on his phone. He downloads all the maps to his phone so he can go point to point. Right. Some of them he has to split up. He can't just use the course because the van's not allowed to drive the course of the runners at some points. So you got to run it. You got to drive a different way. So he plans all of that out. And then he sits in that driver's seat for the rest of the race. And it is just awesome. It's, it's phenomenal. So I came to this conclusion two years ago, Michelle, that this is the format we're going to run, stop trying to find another runner. And then we can just pick our legs and be ready to go. And everybody's like, Oh no, we got to find another runner. We got (laughs) to, Oh, who's going to be the sixth runner. And I'm like, we don't want another body in the van. Let's just do this. And finally George got on board and everybody else got on board after this year's race. And I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah. But but the, the thing that ultimately brought me around to it this year is that that we've now done it together. Um, this group has done it together three years. Um, and four of the people in the group have done it together four years now. Um, and in addition, we have a text thread that has just exploded over the course of the past <laughs> year and a half as we all got locked down and had to focus our social life uh, or narrow our social lives so much, right? And so we have become such a tight group with so many inside jokes and with so much history with one another and so much rapport with one another at this point that I don't think it would be fun for somebody else. Oh no, I think it'd be um, awful. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it would, and that would create awkwardness and it would just an overall compromise our enjoyment of it. So right. I actually think we're better off um, having one less person and having to run a little bit extra than we are trying to, enculturate and incorporate an additional person even if it ends up making us a little bit faster word and i like it you just made a word didn't you culturate. enculturate no he no. probably didn't make it up he's smart enough to not do that <laughs> <laughs> I, I teach about enculturation in my class so so one time george sent thing. me a message that said do you understand what culture is and i was like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> okay so hold on we're not done here i want to know about the finish, like you're 30 plus hours into this van, everybody's run, you're no, exhausted. No, we were, we were 27 hours into the van. So, Ish. so. It's almost 30, just. So, so no, but, 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 but that's important because this is actually the fastest we've ever run. Okay, mm-hmm. I will start over. 27 plus hours <laughs> into the van. So you're coming into the finish, nobody yeah. has basically slept all night. I know George, yeah. you slept like 30 minutes and the watch didn't detect it, blah, blah, blah. But like, are you super excited and cheering and drinking a beer or are you just like, oh, thank God we're done. Get me to the hotel and shower and sleep. Like, what is it like? Like, are you like, cause you don't know, you didn't know at the finish that you finished second place, right? right. You don't find it out right away, right. but like, what is it? What is it? What is it like? No, okay, well, there's, there's a good story there. There's a couple of good stories there. Well, that's so, why I so, asked the question. So we should say that the, the finish is different for us than it was for our teammate, Brett. Um, and the yeah. reason why it's different is because Brett was actually running the last leg. Um, <laughs> and so, and the last leg is not an easy leg. It's an eight mile long <laughs> leg that goes down the Blue Ridge Parkway for five miles and then rolls uh, for about three miles through uh, Asheville and finishes up a vicious hill. Um, with literally a mile to go, you go up a hill that's like 11%. So Brett's um, the only one that really gets the like finish yeah. line feel. Exactly. So to speak. 
Exactly. And, okay. and if we want to, there's like this, the way they set up the finish line, we can like meet him at the finish line. And then we all kind of run across the ceremonial finish line together. And like, I feel like you guys are a lot of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of these 12 person teams are doing that. And we're just like, good job, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> run across that line. Like <laughs> I was like, I have run enough. Like I, I'm not hobbling my butt. 10 yards down to that ceremonial finish line. Um, and so, so they kind of came across and took a picture and they made an announcement and, and, um, and, and then we brought him over, but it finishes at a brewery. Um, oh, okay. And so, so after Brett took off for that last leg, the rest of us piled into the car um, and we went over to the brewery. Now, Eric was struggling at this point. Eric had had a tough last leg. Um, he was feeling woozy. His system was rebelling against him and all that sort of thing. But um, Dave, the driver. So you just left him in the van while you guys went to the, the brewery? Van. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told, um, I told and them. So, the so Dave, the driver, Brian, Lee, and I all went um, into the meadow there, the outdoor space that they have at Highland Brewery while Brett was still running and while Eric was still recovering. Um, I think and I we were. And we ordered a few beers and, and we sat there and we, and we drank the beers waiting for him to finish. Well, while we're waiting in line, I, I looked over and I was like, that dude is a oh, dead ringer is... for Grant Fisher. I was like, I was like, that dude standing right over there. looks exactly like Olympian Grant Fisher, who we've talked about many times on the podcast, who finished fifth in the 10,000 meters in Tokyo a couple of months ago. And it was funny because I said to Brian and to Dave, who I was waiting in line with, um, both of whom, well, Brian appreciates track and field, but neither one of them are, are like fans of track and field, the degree the three of us are. Um, and I said, I said, that guy's a dead ringer for Grant Fisher. Um, and they're like, who's Grant Fisher? And I kind of explained to us, I said, but it doesn't matter. That guy looks just like him. And I texted Eric and Michelle and said, it's kind of funny. I'm at the finish line. There's a guy here that looks exactly like Grant Fisher. Dude could be his twin. Michelle promptly texts me back an Instagram screenshot of Grant Fisher running in the Blue Ridge Relay and says, everybody knew he was there. Everybody knew he was there. Everybody knows he's there right now, George. I was like, I didn't know that. You're standing 10 feet away from him. So I'm standing 10 feet away from the Olympian that we've talked about so many times being like, oh, that guy looks just like Grant Fisher. It was Grant Fisher. (laughs) Okay. Now, now I understand when Eric was in the van and you guys were in the brewery and this is happening. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have the whole yeah. context. So that, that, that's the whole context. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I kind of looked at him for a little while longer and then went over and sat down and drank about half a beer and, and, and finally got the courage to go talk to him and maybe take a picture or two. And he was gone. Um, so, so unfortunately he was part of a 12 person team. Um, he and some of his buddies from Stanford, from Palo Alto, uh, traveled out there and they did it. Um, for reasons that we won't really go into, they were actually disqualified. Um, yeah, and so, so they, they, they ran fast and they were the first finishers, but they basically outran the infrastructure of the race. Um, and you can't do that. Um, they got out ahead of the volunteers. They outran the race. And, and, and because of that, they ultimately ended up getting disqualified. Um, and so he and his team will not be appearing in the results. Um, do you know what was on his T-shirt, Michelle? When I saw Grant Fisher and I didn't think it was Grant Fisher, one of the reasons why I didn't think it was Grant Fisher is because he was wearing a shirt that said Taco Bell. That's so random. If he had been wearing a Bowerman Track Club t-shirt or even a Nike t-shirt, I would have been like, oh, that's Grant Fisher. Let me go talk to him real quick. He was wearing a Taco Bell t-shirt. Cool beans. Okay. (laughs) Here's my final question. Um, You guys are going to do other stuff throughout the year, but this is like 
a staple, obviously, for your calendars, running it, calendars it, every it, year. It has become that. And and, right. and I told I told Eric and Lee and the other guys, um, that was not my intention in 2018. And my okay. intention was not to set up this tradition that was going to be something we do every single year. Um, and it has very much become that for me personally. Can I finish my question now? Yeah. Okay. So are, would um, Lee, like Brian and Brett, would they train for other stuff if this wasn't on their race calendars? Like, obviously Dave's just going to run once a year. <laughs> Maybe he'll go for a run this year before next year. Probably not. But you guys are for sure, like you would pick other stuff, right? You'd pick a road marathon. Eric, you'd pick some, another hundred miler. Like are, are for the other three guys, is this um, what keeps them going during the year? Or are they also like involved in other endurance sports? They're also involved in other endurance sports. Yeah. yeah. Lee and um, Brian run triathletes. Um, Lee runs a half marathon, a marathon, a 10K, a 5K, an 8K. He, he's got a good routine of races he does. Um, and Brett is an uh, ultra runner also. Um, so he's out there picking out 100, a 50, some drop dead race, <laughs> last man standing race. You know that, so we all have our Big target thing. races for the year, mm -hmm. and this is this is the one we all kind of work towards together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's and if, and if anything, I'd say that that la last year, just because of the way that everything was shutting down, but they were able to pull off the Blue Ridge Relay. Last yes. year was the only year that I've actually said, okay, the Blue Ridge Relay is the target. Every other year, I've had kind of something else. In 2018, I had the Philadelphia Marathon. In 2019, I was going to do the JFK 50, but that didn't work out. Um, in 2020 was the only year where I was like, okay, this is the race and it's the only race I'm going to do. This year, I have I have CIM, and next year, I'm going to have Berlin. Um, and, and, and we're all that way to varying degrees. Um, that we, we, we all focus on it and do the best we possibly can, but I don't think it's, the, it's quite the A-plus race for, for any of us. Oh, so we'll uh, so, talk about this again next year. <laughs> yes, so I just, I do want to close out with one thing. I want to, I want to say thank you to Brian for coming out and running those four legs. That was huge. Mm -hmm. He ran, he ran brilliantly. Um, and just the emotion of getting back out into the racing scene and, and really throwing down the way he did. I was impressed. That was phenomenal. I've already, you know, said the kudos to Dave for the driving and the mothering. Um, Dave's, gosh, the guy's awesome. He really just is. Um, Brett, he's definitely the funniest of all of us. In the worst moments, he says the same thing every time. He says, well, you know, guys, at least nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, he, he really is a, a tank. I, I, I call him a tank. He will go for forever. The way that he ran leg 32 just blew me away. Um, so, you know, Brett, I just, I just love that guy to death. Um, uh, Lee, from the standpoint of um, just overall improvement, attitude, the planning he puts into this, um, I'd say he was our star runner this year. Um, Lee, Lee really struggled last year and we made fun of him mercilessly, um, because he, he destroyed himself and he couldn't recover from it. And, you know, we've made so many jokes about that and we continue to make jokes about that, but this year there's no joke was Lee's year. Um, he is on a phenomenal training routine. Um, he's got a phenomenal coach. His mom is awesome. <laughs> and he just, he is Eric's you know, coach. Eric is his coach. Oh my gosh, Eric. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I just, you know, from six to nine, I think he is just, he, he really had the best run this year. Um, and then George, and I told you about George and the emotion George threw into 31. I mean, that's just inspirational. I wish, I really wish I could have carried the same sort of emotion into 33. It just did not work out. Um, but I'm really looking forward to, to next year, getting together with all these guys again and just doing it again. It is by far the most fun uh, I have all year long, all year long. I look forward to it for um, 11 months and 29 days. It's, does that work out? Yeah. 11 months, 29 days. Because <laughs> um, it is that much fun. So. Awesome. Me too, man. Me too. Uh, I'm already looking forward to next year. Um, we're going to have a good time. And Eric, don't sell yourself short, man. You, you you play a super important role in the team as well. So Eric is is uh, the the perfect combination of, of taking things seriously, keeping us focused on the goal, um, but at the same time, always reminding us how, how important it is that, that we're having fun. And that's the whole point of the, the entire endeavor. So, so, so I appreciate that. And I think that's super important as well. All right, you, George, Michelle, last word. I mean, it's past 10 o'clock. I'm done. <laughs> Eric, you said your last word, but I appreciate you and I appreciate this uh, this event that we did together. Uh, Michelle, are you going to come be a fan next year again? I mean... Good. I'm looking forward to seeing you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast on Twitter, at Pleasant Podcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, Facebook.com slash Blue Pineapple Travel and on Instagram, Blue Pineapple Travel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com. Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx. The number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.